0: Welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know, a podcast about philosophy and literature and the great ideas and whatever we want to talk about. My name is Thomas Magby. I'm joined as always by Mr. A.J. Hanenberg and Mr. Graham Donaldson. Hello. In today's episode, A.J., you are bringing us part three on Immanuel Kant.
1: Yep. I thought I could get all of chapter two into one episode last time, but I did not anticipate us arguing for 35 minutes of the episode. Have you
0: listened to this podcast before? That, 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 that's gotta be half of our episode. I mean, right? that's right. a
1: pretty solid bit, chunk yeah. of time, yeah, right? it is. Yeah, you're not wrong. But we weren't arguing. We were... Unraveling. Arguing. There was a little... I think there was a lot. Uh, it was... Fun. Anyway, it was, it was a good time. <laughs> but we didn't get all the way through the, the chapter. My hope is to get all the way through the chapter this time and then maybe have only one more episode on Kant if that last chapter is interesting. If it's not, I'll move on to something else. But... <laughs> This, the rest of chapter two is pretty good, and I think it'll, you know, raise Graham's hackles a little bit. Hmm. That's my anticipation. I'm going to keep my hackles very low. I doubt D- I do
0: not think that's true. <laughs> if the first two episodes are any indication. Which is no. fine.
1: I actually, a lot of this stuff is really interesting to me, and so I think, I don't know, maybe by the end of it, you'll be convinced that Kant is a genius, and he's hmm. got his finger on the pulse of morality, but I somehow doubt it. I've been tending to my
2: hackles. I think I am... Um, <laughs> You've been t- the thing How is, does one tend one's hackles? Um, well, the thing is, I've been thinking a lot about your episodes in between, in the months in between them, <laughs> however long it's been since we recorded. <laughs> That's not on you. That's, That's yeah, not yeah, on, yeah, on you. On That's me. not That's on, me. All yeah. on. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and there's been lots of good. We've been getting lots of good feedback from people who sent us emails, just to, like different ways of thinking about it, or. There's been so there. One guy was like, I was working out at the gym, listening to your podcast on Kant, and I've got all these thoughts on Kant. And I was I like, to man, I that guy. I know yeah, that guy's like, listen to that guy's podcast. Like that guy's jacked and <laughs> and and Kantian, shredding to philosophy. I know.
1: Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so there's been I I I'm, I I'm think Kant might be onto something. Maybe. Wow.
1: Yeah, I I think today might resolve one or two of the concerns you had last time, okay. and then it will add some other concerns, I think, that you might have. I also can't remember my concerns. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was my next question. Do you guys remember <laughs> what we talked about last time? Gosh. Uh, or how, or what we've gotten to. Was
0: Categorical Imperative the first time?
1: Yes. Oh my god, We established the Categorical Imperative in the first episode. And that is basically do the right thing.
0: Act, act in a way that if ev- that everyone would follow the same universalize maxim
1: you're your particular. Yes, act as if your maxim could be a universal law for everyone, and okay. in fact, as if it were a universal law of nature that people should do this. That you could that you could not just that not just that it could be that Gosh. right. Anything, a lot of things could be a universal law, but that you should will that it be so. That's the categorical imperative. What else happened last episode? Do you remember any of the details? In
0: good intention versus good outcome, or was that the first one where, like, we're aiming toward a good? Uh, there's it's the distinction that you were drawing
1: between that was probably the first episode yeah. where the the truly good thing is a good will, will. and not necessarily human happiness. Yeah, that.
0: Mm, wow. Mm, yep.
1: What happened last time? (laughs) (laughs) So last time we got into a big argument about whether or not the categorical imperative would work sort of as a hack for morality. Uh, I contended and I now am fairly sure that that is not Kant's intention. His intention is not to give us a guidepost for morality, but simply to establish morality on some sort of solid ground on which we can argue. Because previous attempts at morality, he thought, were wishy-washy. They didn't really work. They were based on empirical things, and we talked a lot about last time how... Empirical things or experiences don't really work as a universal law of morality because they're only for one instance of things. You can't can't say, just because this law should work here, it should also work somewhere else. You can't take an individual example and say, everyone should do this. The the next question is why. He's trying to establish that why. Where can we ground morality in a way such that everyone should do it without self-interest? And that without self-interest is the important bit. So today we are going to sort of What was his answer? What how what, what, what do we ground it on? Oh, uh, the categorical the imperative. imperative. Oh, okay. The categorical imperative is is grounded on that that it be a universalized individual thing. And last time we talked especially about the the for his his self-content formulation where he says you since you can't ground it on anything outside of the principle, you have to ground it on it has to be just something universal and that gives us the very content of it you can't since you can't ground it on any individual thing it sort of suggests itself that it must be your will to a universal law that is the form
2: formulation did he give us a way of knowing if everybody is equally skilled at being able to discern the categorical imperative He's. I don't think he says no. Okay. Look, that comes up later in the chapter, gotcha. but he makes it very clear, no. And when we are acting as if we should, it should be a universal imperative. Yes. Um, does he think that that universal imperative does in fact exist in some kind of moral universe, or like a world of forms? Yeah. Or does he think that it doesn't, but we all should do it? Like, you, know, you know what I'm getting? Like, are we? So, how is this any different than saying? Right and wrong exist, and you need to uncover—you need to discern what the right thing is. You have a conscience. You have a moral compass that should tell you what to do versus— So that he calls the moral sense, sense yeah, argument. Yeah. You
1: have a moral sense, and yeah. he, he will argue later about why that doesn't work. And that's where I think some of your hackles may be raised, oh, okay. which, is, which is great. We'll talk about that. I, I tried to simplify my ep- episode today where— I, I, I don't I'm i pushing my hackles down. I don't, I don't mind when your hackles are high. Oh, okay. It gives us plenty to talk about, All right? right? Yeah. I I think you grumping over stuff is a, is a great catalyst for, I'm, for talking. I'm not disgruntled. I'm perfectly gruntled. Okay. <laughs> like a happy so, little pig. So I tried to sort of cut the fluff for this one. So I'm going to try to guide you a, a few, through a few central principles. And I think, Graham, you might get You know, you might have stuff to say, Thomas, maybe you too. We'll see where it goes. But first, I wanted to actually get to the examples of morality that I hinted at last time that we never really got to. There were four examples he gives of the categorical imperative in action. The first one I sort of mentioned, and that is a man that feels sick of life as the result of a mounting series of misfortunes that has reduced him to hopelessness. His life is going bad. He doesn't think it's going to get any better. So he decides to commit suicide. So... Did we not do we talk about this we talked we talked about this yeah. one it's one of the four examples okay. so this was the first one is that he decides to commit suicide the maxim though is that he cannot will this to be a universal law because then the will to preserve life would also be destroying it and it's a self-contradiction okay right so logically that this one doesn't work I don't know how that would work if you were talking to a man who is about to commit suicide but you say look man the logic of this just does not work out I don't right. know how compelling that would be yeah but his point is that here it applies because of an instant contradiction in what the man is willing, right? He is willing something that cannot exist both ways. The maxim, therefore, uh, let's see, to quote, the only further question but one sees at once that a nature whose law was that the very same feeling meant to promote life should actually destroy life would contradict itself and hence would not endure as nature. So this can't be a law of nature.
2: But you're just destroying your life. It's not like you're destroying all life.
1: Life. Destroying life. The... the the principle of self-love, right? Can you, can you, he he, the principle the suicide is thinking is I make it my principle out of self-love to shorten my life if its continuance threatens more evil than it promises advantage. So can we want that to be a universal principle that all men should do the same? No.
2: No, right? Okay. What about someone who is going to sacrifice themselves to like save other people?
1: That's not this case. I think.
2: Would that be, um, like, would you say that that person who makes that decision is making the right choice from the categorical imperative that I think you would, so. you would want anybody to do this? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. But I don't know if I would want anybody to do this. Like if I wanted like, I wouldn't want like a 12 year old to do it for me.
1: So one of the things I've thought about a ton since our last conversation is whether or not the categorical imperative works as a hack. And I, I maintain, that I don't think so. And I don't think what Kant is trying to do is reduce the complexity of moral questions. Okay. Right. Should one sacrifice oneself for the good of others? Well, this is obviously a complex moral question. Who are you saving? If yeah, it yeah, is yeah. five schoolchildren, probably. What about five murderers, people on death row? That's a little more complex. Right. And so that that question there, he, he says you can use this as, as a guide, but I don't think he's trying to reduce the complexity of moral questions. He's simply grounding it on something. OK, moving on. Second example. Second example is a guy that is out of money and he is going to try to get some money. He's going to borrow it and he's going to promise to pay it back even though he knows he won't pay it back. Well, is that a moral thing? He says, no, because if he made this universal, obviously no one would lend money if no one ever got any back. So then it would destroy the whole idea of borrowing another self-contradiction. Okay. I think we talked about both those examples last time. Yes. This next example is a man that has a talent with a certain amount of cultivation that could make him a useful man for all sorts of purposes, but he sees himself in comfortable circumstances and he prefers to give himself up to pleasure rather than bother about increasing and improving his fortunate natural aptitudes. So he's really good at something. Maybe he's, I don't know, good at music Mm -hmm. and he could make himself better for everyone's benefit, but he's comfortable and he doesn't want to. So should that man, can he will that this be a universal law that one should, relax rather than developing your natural aptitudes.
0: He could will it, but he would be wrong. Like it, that is not a good thing that he is doing. Right. If everyone followed that same maxim.
1: So this, this example and the one that follows it are a little bit different in that there's no automatic contradiction within the example, Yeah. but he, you can't actively will that everyone should do this, right. that everyone should not develop their natural aptitudes and kind of the detriment of everybody. Yeah. And the fourth one, it's the same kind of thing where you can't will it. It's the miser. He doesn't hurt anybody. But he he decides that he doesn't want to give to anybody. Let's everyone's fortune be their fortune. Could this be a universal law?
0: Same thing. It could.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But you can't actively will that no man should help his neighbor. Right? So that is the two kinds of things that break the categorical imperative. One is when it becomes a self-contradiction. And the other is when it, you can't really actively will it as something that should be a law of nature. That wouldn't. Apply. So, why don't we, as as another example, ask this question Should people sacrifice for men on death row? Uh, So,
0: following Kant's policy, we're saying, is there some internal contradiction? The answer to that is no, there's no contradiction there. So, you could will that thing, but then you're into the question of, is that a good policy to follow? And then,
1: I mean, could I will that all men should, that if, if, murderers were in danger that all men should sacrifice themselves for them, those murderers.
0: And that's where I was going to ask you on the miser one, and you can do it here too. I I don't
1: know what tool Kant is providing to answer that question. It's the same as a categorical categorical imperative, right? Provided that there are men who are on death row that are in danger. Can you will that, can you will that all men should put themselves in danger to save them?
0: Yeah. Like people shouldn't like
1: the the part of it, I think is like their
2: cells on fire. They're cooking away in their are cell. Are they being
1: uh, they're being transported from one place to another? What they if get we hit say, by, and
2: then there's like a tr- they get like trapped on a railway tracks? <laughs> yeah, they're in
1: trouble. Oh, I think we you can say that you should save them. Right, those murderers. What if they were being shipped to die the very next day? Hmm. I think you got to say no. Uh, I can't will that all men should sacrifice themselves for a bunch of guys that are going to die the next day.
0: Yeah, th- I I don't. There's something about it where this like this is premature and this is not the way that they've been. It said that they were going to die. Sure, you know, there's something about that that seems wrong. Which yeah, is so maybe the discomfort. Sure.
1: This, is a, this is a this is still a complex moral question, right. right? I don't know that we can escape it by using the categorical comparative.
0: Okay, but I guess that's my question again with the miser one. Okay, uh, what is he saying? What what is the reason that because there's a there's a cost to giving your money away? You then have less money to do other things. So what is what is the evidence to say that like this is it is better that people act in a way? Uh, where they are
1: willing to give their money away, where they're more magnanimous. He says, for a will that intended this to, you know. That keep their money or give to them, give it away. To keep their money. To keep, yeah. Would be in conflict with itself since many situations might arise in which the man needs love and sympathy from others. Ah, yep. And in which by such a nature, law of nature generated by his own will, he would rob himself of all hope of help that he wants. Yep. So if this was a law of nature and he comes into future destitution, he can't hope for help. Yeah. Right? So even there with a little bit of self-interest.
0: So there's a kind of utilitarianism here, like it's the benefits that come from it, not necessarily the goodness of giving money mm-hmm. away. I'm
1: so glad you brought that up. It just Beautiful. feeds right yeah. into what okay. we're going to talk Go it, about, the, the self-benefits. Okay. You. So quick note, he says that the, the most c- typical problem we have is not that we can't figure out the right thing. It's that we really kind of want something. We have inclinations. And so we evaluate it and then we make an exception for ourselves and make an excuse and sort of justify it and say, yes, but I want this thing. So here's... Here's what the situation really is. And then we sort of give ourselves a pass. I think we all do this. It's just self, it's called self justification, right? Justifying your sin. And this is a thing that everybody does. And so I don't think he's way off base here. Mm -hmm. Like you evaluate it, you know what's right logically and even rationally. And then you're like, but I don't want to do it. Yeah, I want to do something else. And so you sort of change it up. Okay. Duty, do -do 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 I want to read that bit? No.
0: I think we had a listener write in with that point as like that is a thing that's very helpful about the categorical imperative to say we're not making rules just for ourselves. We're saying everyone has to act this way. You don't get to have a special out
1: in this situation. Oh, man, you guys are feeding into the rest of the episode so well. That's so great. Okay. But we still need a goal, a thing we are working towards. So you hinted towards some sort of utilitarianism. He, I think, recognizes that there needs to be something we are working for, Right. If we have to will it to be a law, well, that law should apply to something for some sort of end. Does that make sense? Yes. He says, and I quote, Now I say, uh, let's see. I say a human being, and in general every rational being, does exist as an end in himself, not merely as a means to be used by this or that will as it pleases. In all his actions, whether they are directed to himself or to other rational beings, a human being must always be viewed at the same time as an end. And he's, and I, I will jump a big section and continue reading. The ground of this principle is rational nature exists as an end in itself. This is the way in which a human being necessarily conceives of his own existence. So we think of ourselves as an end, right? Yes. You think of yourself as an end. You think of yourself as an end. I do the same thing. This is the way everyone thinks of themselves. So he says, and it is therefore a subjective principle of human actions. So, subjective. You think of yourself as an end, so your actions are subjectively about that. But it is also the way in which every other rational rational being conceives of his existence. So, we all have that problem. On the same rational ground, which also holds for me. Hence it is, at the same time, an objective principle from which, since it is a supreme practical ground, it must be possible to derive all... Laws of the will. So, because you think you are an end in yourself, and I think the same thing, and so does everyone who's rational, that is the objective principle by which we can act, right? A human being is an end in themselves because we all think the same way. That's the way that he proves it. So, all laws must be applicable in a way that supports man as an end in himself. So, this is another formulation of the categorical imperative. Act as if your law, your maximum of action, must it must be compatible with treating people as an end in themselves rather than as a means. Thoughts
0: mm. Can I just be clear on what is the difference between a means and an end? So it, he's saying that people should be treated not as you're using them to get something out mm-hmm. of them. Is that is that what he means by yes. the difference between the two. Yeah. So I should act in a way that is beneficial to people not to extract something from them with no return benefit to that person. That's yes. That's what he's saying here. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. But is there a time in a person's life when they think of themselves as an end that they know that they should be seen that they should be used as a means for somebody else? Like, isn't it good that um, I am a means to the end, to your happiness.
1: But you are acting in such a way that treats me as an end in itself, right? And I don't think you would make yourself a means to that end, right? And this is why slavery is so reprehensible to mankind, mm-hmm. is that you are creating, a, treating the other person as a means rather than as an end. And I think what you're talking about is maybe giving one's life up for one's friend.
2: Maybe, but I'm thinking, like, all right, let's say, let's say, AJ, that you want to go see a new horror movie. Okay. And, like, you've been talking about it for weeks. Got it. And I don't like horror movies. Sure. I really don't want to see it. Yeah. But you're like, I know you don't like going to see movies by yourself. kind of bums you out. And no one's going to go see it with you. And so I go and I watch that horror movie because you are going to have a great time with a friend watching a horror movie. And I don't really want to watch it. I want to spend $12 on a horror movie. But I'm doing it because... You're going to be, you're, you're happy and I am being a means, I, you are treating me as a means to your end, which is happiness. And I'm cool with that.
1: So I think in this case, maybe it is right for you to volunteer your time. Yeah. But then if I'm also going to treat you as an, as an end in itself, I know you hate horror movies, man. I'm not going to ask you. So then you're not going to go to the horror movie and I'm not going to go to the horror movie. And then and we're going to go watch cars instead. No uh, cars <laughs> too. Cars six or whatever, I mean. they're on,
2: whatever they're on. No, but, but, but that, it,
1: that's my point. Like boats? So if I, there's got to be a point <laughs> is where. True? Is that a thing? No, I don't know. Oh, okay. I'm waiting for RC cars. Wouldn't oh, that be a great that be movie? Cool. That would be cool.
2: My batteries. <laughs> <laughs> no. there would um, be a whole lot like. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Drive past. Um, but, uh, Graham, no. Can but, I ask you something? Yeah. So,
0: but, okay. So in that movie theater would be AJ. But like a few seats over would be uh, random, random guy. Like yeah. you would think about going with AJ. You would not think about going with random guy. If, if a person you've never met before walks up to you and says, hi, I want to go see a horror movie. I don't like to go to movies alone. Will yeah. you come with me? Are you even considering that, off, that I, offer? No, I, I would find I would weird me out. So then what's the difference there? That age is my friend. So what do you get something out of that friendship?
2: Yes, but not –
0: I do, <laughs> but not in this particular evening. Yes, but like a friendship is not just a single moment. It's that collection of moments. So like you could imagine – AJ could ask you that, or AJ could offhand... So the only
2: reason I'm doing this is for my own self-serving? That's why
0: people are in friendships. Like, it'd be a martyrdom if you... If if AJ was only asking things of you, and you Mm -hmm. got nothing from it, that's not a friendship. Yeah. So there has to be some equality there. I guess so. Yeah. So Kant's
2: saying... And it would be
0: wrong for me to accept that if I know you hate
2: horror movies. But Kant's saying that you shouldn't go to the horror movie with the guy who doesn't want to go by himself.
0: The random guy? Yeah. Yeah, because there's no reason to do that. Yeah, there's no... You are treated purely as a means... Because... Let's say you'll never talk to the guy again mm-hmm. either. Like you are solely a means to him mm-hmm. not feeling alone in the movie theater or whatever. So his,
2: his actions are wrong. So if your fact, actions his actions are wrong. And if you go through with it, you're being, you're complicit. doing the wrong thing as well. Yeah. Or you're enabling his wrong thing. Be- I,
1: I think your action would be, maybe be a slight moral positive. Like you're trying to do something nice for somebody else. But you're treating yourself as a means. What if he
2: needs, a, what if he's like starving? Say and more. he's like, I need a sandwich. I'm like, I'm never going to talk to you again. You're not my friend. Okay,
1: in in both of these things, I think we are treating, you are treating him as an end in himself. He is, in in that situation, the rando is treating you as a means. Yeah. So your thing is fine, right? You're not treating yourself as a means. You are treating him as an end with yourself in slight sacrifice. He would be wrong to do it. To ask for it, right? Yeah.
2: But if I, but if he is wrong to do it, am I not then also wrong to deny him? Be like, no, I'm not going to the movie with you. You uh. would not be wrong.
0: I, I think, you, again, maybe if Kant says something different, please say so. But you would be treating yourself as a means to his happiness alone. Yeah. And you would be allowing yourself to be treated as so a means. So if
2: I allow myself to be treated as a means, Kant is saying that that is wrong in any I circumstance. Be,
0: I don't see why it would differentiate
1: based on others versus self. So I, I think, let's be let's be careful. I want to say treating it as a means to something that is other than human. Right. So if you are subjected to somebody else using you for something else's sake, like yep. maybe they want cash, they want gold, they want, like, it's not humanity at the end of the road. Mm-hmm. So that is why this other fella is wrong, is because he is treating you as a means for his enjoyment of the film. Yeah. Right. Or, ah, uh, I mean, he's still, humanity is still the end of it. He wants to feel good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess, yeah, I guess it's not. So he is, he is using you to get to something yes. that is non human. Yes. You are still aiming at the human, right? So your action, I would say, is probably a good thing, right? Or at least to offer, right? That is a offer of self-sacrifice. You are trying to help someone, treating him as an end. His action is, I think, therefore wrong. Yours might be positive.
2: But if I'm doing it and allowing him to follow through on the wrong action... Isn't that isn't that a bad thing? Yeah.
1: Then I think you're treating yourself as a. Yeah. I think I think Thomas is right here. You're probably treating yourself as a means. So then,
2: is there any chance, Is there any circumstance where you can treat yourself as a means, and that is a noble thing? I think. Are you thinking of something like
1: sacrifice, so your men might get away if you're a commander?
2: Ah, uh, that, or I'm thinking of the crucifixion.
1: Yeah. So I'm wondering if there's a. I wonder if we might accidentally leak into utilitarianism here, where the question is. What helps the greatest
2: amount of humanity? Right. Yeah, I'm not a big Bentham fan. Yeah, yeah. do you and know that like f- he's pickled or stuffed? Want to see something like that? <laughs> is that he both pickled yeah. and yeah. preserved? He's preserved, and yeah. someone stole his head like a t- hundred years ago.
0: Is that the one that's on display? Yeah, and, like, in Oxford like, or Cambridge. Yeah, way, yeah. and it someone is.
2: took his head. Anyway. Uh,
0: um,
2: so, yes, uh, <sighs> yeah. Is it? Uh, I guess I'm saying that's my question. Is it ever appropriate? to allow yourself to be treated as a means. He says you shouldn't treat other people as a means, but can you treat yourself as a means for something? Or is that an immoral action against yourself? It's a great question. Because if because if you can do that, if you can treat yourself as a means, then what's stopping you from treating other people as a means? I think it depends on what it's a means for. Well, yeah, so then then, then and then we i I would agree with you and then we don't have a helpful heuristic
1: no we we do if the means is if you are a means to the a greater help to humanity yeah right i think Kant would be fine with this right you are like you are it is it is a greater help for humanity if you sacrifice yourself so your men get away yeah right but if you are what about me
2: sacrificing like james (laughs) until my men can get away
1: do you pick some random guy yeah what
2: am i doing my company be like hey buddy you know the uh i mean star trek talks about it this tolls for the, to be a
1: good leader sometimes you got to send send one man to his death to save many but is that a moral
2: action uh, what do you mean like is it a good action oh, is, yeah, is, it, yeah. Is, is that is that following the categorical imperative i would so, say yeah
0: is that the whole point of the movie is like they explore whether the cuz uh first spock sacrifices himself but then they go the back and get
2: of the many yeah but then, oh, for the news. but then they
1: go back and, like, save him. So they,
2: Yeah, and then they, he like, comes back with, like, a magic uh, life
1: torpedo. So they undo the whole thing, right? I'm not sure I remember any of this. Oh, I was thinking of a, one episode of The Next Generation oh. where Riker consistently failed the, the captain test, and it was because oh. he was unwilling to send, I don't know, Commander Dinkus yeah. into the tube that would certainly kill him with radiation yeah. in order to save the ship.
2: Hmm. The, the Kobayashi the Maru test?
1: No, the Kobayashi Maru is un- it's the unwinnable test. Yes. Yes. Oh, I don't like that. Right, it's the one you always lose. Like, it's almost impossible. Yeah. Wasn't
0: Spock died of radiation? I he did. Remember. He was in the like,
2: and he was all like melting away. Yeah. And Bones was crying and yeah. Spock was like, your tears are illogical. <laughs> <laughs> Those movies are great. And then, but then they brought him back to life with they the, did. it, it, it was the Genesis torpedo, it's right? Torpedo, like They yeah. shot it, yeah. At a planet or whatever. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then Spock was like a, like a, a blank slate baby yep. as a man. Did you should watch. You should this? watch these
0: movies again. They're great. Which movie is this? We're it's talking about the original series uh, movies. Oh, I'm
2: not sure I've ever seen. Uh, Search for it Spock with Spock yeah, three, Spock. right? Yeah,
0: that sounds right. Yeah, and then Spock. I'm so sorry. And then for uh, Star Trek
2: four. They go back to like 1980s Los Angeles. That's great.
0: That's that's a great movie. Yeah, two, four, six. The the even ones are supposed to be the great ones, but they're all 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 of them are good. And Can then we talk about Star Trek them, for
2: the next hour. Yeah, and then episode five they find God. Yeah, that well, kind of, but
1: uh, Kant? Okay, so maybe maybe this helps. So he comes back to the four examples and he talks about those with the the, going back on the criteria. Are can is it like evaluating them? How do we treat people as ends rather than means? So the guy that's going to commit suicide, clearly he's treating himself as a means towards happiness rather than as an end, right? Oh, that's interesting. Okay, the second one, the guy who is trying to borrow money and he's going to lie to this other other fella, using the guy. He's treating other people. Treating the other guy as a means, right? Thirdly, the guy that is kind of... He's got a talent, but he doesn't really want to cultivate it. That's a harder one. Kant says it needs to harmonize with the idea of humanity as an end in itself. And so because he's not cultivating his own things, and he's not doing something that could help others, then he's not really harmonizing with it.
2: Same with the last fella. What if he's going to make, like, really annoying music? (laughs) And he's using us as a means
1: for his own music.
0: That guy should just quit.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. And the last one is, you know, he is, uh, he's, it's not harmonizing with humanity as an end in itself. And here's the little sentence that I think might help. Who was the last guy? The last guy was the miser. On the miser. Didn't want to give his way of his money. So I think this last sentence might help. For the ends of any person who is an end in himself must, if this idea is to have its full effect in me, be also, as far as possible, my ends. So... If I'm the commander and my whole troop wants to survive, their ends are my ends, right? And I think their ends might outweigh mine.
2: Okay, tracking I, so far. I guess I. I how does Christian charity fill into this? Like I, the love that that does not require anything in return. Are you not using yourself as a means for other people's ends then? And then you're treating yourself as a means. I don't know.
0: Yes there is a contradiction. These, but I don't know right. if
1: you're I don't know if you're treating yourself as a as a means you are treating humanity as an end. Are, uh. are you a means to that end or are you simply pursuing humanity and you think humanity is better off with more people as like being charitable than You you so you are treating your money as a means to the end of other people's happiness. Does that make sense? But it's sense?
0: usually the person giving it away they get something like Francis, St. Francis giving away his wealth his his father's wealth, whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's, that's actually a complicated story. Um, but like Francis gets something out of that too. He gets holiness. He gets to be at peace or whatever. Um, and also people benefit from his wealth. He is an end in that giving as well as the means to the benefit of others. Am I like, mm-hmm. is there something there where the charity isn't just that you give money away? It's who you become as a part of giving money away. Like you are an end still in that charity.
2: Yeah. So I guess virtue, he who is virtuous, like is only ever going to get good things, right? Like yeah. you can't even, I'm trying to think of like examples where you're doing something that is clearly noble and good and you get nothing from it but in all those instances you're getting something from it. even if you feel like martyred for something. Yeah. This is you're the, still getting.
0: But this is the Boethius thing, right? Yeah. Of like even though you're going to die the next day, you can wallow in pity if you want to. You don't you don't have to that you're giving up of that situation, like you are being worked on as an end in that moment <laughs> as well.
2: Okay. Um, all
0: right. I think there's there's probably more to say there, but
2: yeah. Good Yes. Moving on. Moving on. Okay.
0: No hackles. The fun- my hackle,
2: my hackle. They are in bed. They are asleep. <laughs>
1: quiet. The, the really funny thing is that in doing this, I always expect it to come from one direction. Yeah. And the it comes from it comes. To, from I just never anticipate where the difficulties will be. And that's but that's a great question. Can you treat yourself as a means for sake of charity? Again, I'm not sure. Unless you're you are sacrificing yourself for others, I don't. I think you're creating, using something else as a means, like your money or your time or something like that.
0: Do you know what hackles are? What are hackles? It's the hair on the back of your neck. It's the hairs along the back of a dog or other animal that rise if it's angry or alarmed.
2: Hmm. Get my fur up.
0: A long, narrow feather on the neck or saddle of a domestic rooster or other bird. (laughs) That's So I'm liking this. Okay, great. That's a hackle.
1: Just in case anyone else was curious. Okay. So from this idea that we are all ends in ourselves... Then the subject of every end is a rational being, right? So that's what we're shooting for. So you have to. This is where we sort of get to the conception of a, un, like of, of the human as a a universal lawgiver that gives law to itself. Wow, I've skipped a thing. But <laughs> I'm so
0: <heavy>
1: now. <laughs> sorry, I skipped this. I, I mean, if I'm going to do this whole thing, I just have I to gotcha, read it, right? Totally. So he's he talks about how we have to. Harmonize our our law giving with the human person as both an end mm-hmm. and a universal lawgiver, because you are an end in yourself, and because you are going through the categorical imperative, you are both a subject and the lawgiver. Yep. So,
2: is it a thing you're creating or a thing you're discovering?
1: Yes. Well, okay.
2: But more creating, right?
1: Well, like, it's. I I think he is he is saying, is this something we could will that would be not a. a a universal natural law without right. contradictions and harmonize with humans and as ends. So I think he's trying to say that this is this is the actual way that morality works. But you, if you are evaluating situations and saying this maxim should or should not be, then you end up being a lawgiver, right? You are you are taking the categorical imperative and applying it to the instance. Sure. Right. So that makes you a lawgiver. And the reason We even have to talk about this. I I didn't get it for a really long time. And I think the reason he wants this, that you are not only the subject but the lawgiver, is that usually as the subject of a law, right, if you are a citizen and you follow the law, you do it for the sake of something else. I follow the law to avoid a ticket. I follow the law to get, you know, a tax return. I follow the law because of either punishments that I want to avoid... Or things I want to get. So if Go to heaven or go to hell. Yes. So if you are only subject to the law, the problem is, is that, say I don't want that thing anymore. The law no longer applies. Yeah. He's trying to establish the law as something that is unavoidable. What if I to give two rips about heaven? I'm going to hell. I had friends that said, I'm going to go to hell, that's where the party is, thereby absolving... Their culpability in morality, if they just don't want the you know, if they don't care about the carrot and they don't give a rip about the stick, then morality does not apply to them. And he is trying to say, separate from whatever you want, whatever you get, and anything else that's outside of the law itself, Mm -hmm. this applies because you are the one giving the law, right? If you are merely a subject or a citizen there has to be some further incentive based on an actual tangible end rather than simply this is duty, Mm. right? But because you are the lawgiver and the subject, it will always apply, whether or not you want that thing or not. So Graham, in your instance, if if you are talking about charity, you should give charitably regardless of whether you get anything out of it because it is merely your duty because you are both subject to
2: this moral law and the lawgiver itself. Why can't my categor- categorical imperative be? Everyone should do as much as they can to get theirs. That's a universal law, baby. Let's go for it. Everyone in the ring. We're gonna fight it out. We're gonna re- try to get ours. Try to get, try to get your bag. Try to get your money, Megby.
0: Because you treat people as means. Doesn't matter.
2: That's but I'm universalizing it. Everybody, this I, I'm expecting this of everybody and I want everybody to do this.
1: But there's that's the problem is you're treating other people as as means rather than ends. Yeah, but they're you. treating me as means and I've yes, universalized and they are that. Yes, and they're also wrong. Yeah. Why
2: are they wrong? Because,
1: because they are treating you as a means.
2: So what? Why is that wrong? Because, I don't know, I don't, because, because every people.
1: human conceives of himself as an end. Yes, You think you are an end yep. and if other people treat you as a means, that's not okay. Why not? Because. I'm treating them as a means. How come I can't make that my universal imperative? Because it's Illogical. You want to treat yourself as an end and have other people be means, but th- yeah,
0: it's in contradiction with what you know everyone wants. Is Kant's argument?
2: But we're all but we're all competing against each other. Like you're going to treat me as a means, I'm going to treat you as a means, and that's and we'll see who wins.
0: I, I, I think what you're asking is why should anyone care what Kant has to say about <laughs> no, morality?
2: No, I, I, I'm saying how does how does Kant ever think that people are going to come into either moral agreement? or get out of the Nietzschean power game.
0: Because they're reasoning about what ought to be, or what is the universal moral law based on, is this a thing that ought to be willed
1: in the entire world, that all people would act this way? So your, your question is, what's what's to make
2: all people follow this law? Is that what you're yep. saying? I mean, if there's, so if there's no, oh, there, there's that. And if, let's say that, let's say that, you know, every person in kant's uni- everybody in the in the universe does kant's moral imperative sure. and is treating everybody as ends and is, um, that creates a tremendous opportunity for the one guy that's not going to do that and he's going to treat everybody as a means and if everyone assumes that you know like i'm just saying you're you, like there is nothing compelling somebody to be a boy scout there's
1: not you're right i, I mean the question is the, the kant's question is not is this going to make the world a better place his question is can you walk up to the one guy who is making everyone else a means and say don't i can yes i can say that yeah because because it's grounded in but let me let me finish <laughs> let me finish <laughs> sorry haggle hackles, hackles hackles down i it. know you haggle hackles down. down you're like the the question isn't will he listen the the question is can you with logical grounding Say he should follow this thing, whether or not it gets him what he wants. This is this is duty. It is not okay to treat people as means. He's Kant is trying to say yes. This applies whether or not he is like. Maybe this guy that's treating people as means doesn't give two craps about heaven. Right? Maybe that's his thing. Maybe he doesn't give two craps about anybody. Or being logically consistent. Or being logically consistent. And Kant points this out. He's like, yeah, people probably aren't going to follow this. doesn't really matter. My, my, this is not necessarily my goal. My goal here is to ground morality in something other than I want X. Right? Because then it applies universally rather than only if you want X. Right? Yet, could I get the guy to stop by saying, do this or I'll cut your legs off? Yes, but that isn't morality. That is a threat, right? Kant is saying morality has purchase on every person, whether they follow it, whether they want it, whether it's actually going to make the world better, doesn't matter. He is saying this is, this is morality and not therefore everyone will be a good person. He's not taking that next step. He hasn't, in fact, I think something that I haven't talked about yet. He's saying, look, this is the formulation and it comes from pure reason. I haven't even established that pure reason is a thing. So we're making already a jump that I'm going to establish in the third.
0: The, he says that? He acknowledges yeah, that,
1: I, I, as far as I understand it. Yeah. I mean, again, not a, not a philosophy PhD, yeah. but he says the critique of pure reason happens in chapter three. As of right now, we haven't proved that hardly any of this exists, but rationally, this is morality. You are a lawgiver and because you are the lawgiver, you are also subject to the law and therefore it is your duty. And because all of us have to treat humans at ends and we are all lawgivers this means we are a kingdom, and this is, this is the next section, we are a kingdom of ends, where Graham, you have things you want. You want a nice house, you want your dog to be safe, you want your wife to be safe, you want to clean up those trees, because you are an end to me, then I have to treat some of the things that you want, your ends, as my ends, right? This actually sort of establishes charity. And this is his goal. Could people make it their categorical imperative to poop on the little guy? Yes. 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 Kant would point out, you're being inconsistent. That's not morality. You are doing it wrong. The guy doesn't have to listen, but Kant would be right, I think.
2: Why is that not consistent? Because you're treating them as means? Yeah. And the reason that treating people as means is bad is because... Because
1: every human alive conceives of rational beings as ends in of themselves. Or they so the, conceive of themselves as, as an end. Yeah, and because everybody does that. Yeah. Humans are, humans are ends. And I, th-
2: I think your I, issue is that that's a weak spot. I guess I'm saying, like, congratulations, weakling. You think of yourself as an end, but I don't care. I, I, I mean, I guess the fact that people are like me compels me to treat them like I want, like I, I want to be treated doesn't make sense to me. Like, I, I don't understand how he says that that is a priori. So the logical jump there, I also have trouble with.
1: His his jump to man or any rational being as an end in itself, simply because that's the way we conceive of ourselves,
2: mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: seems to me to be spurious. It's like,
2: hey, Graham, AJ thinks about himself in the same way that you think about yourself, so you should treat AJ as someone who thinks about himself in the same way you dream about yourself.
1: Well, I think it's because you, as thinking of yourself as an end rather than a means, you expect people to treat you as an end. So does everybody else.
2: I don't know if that's true. This was my first point. Is like, are there times when you give up your being treated as an end to be a means for somebody else's end, and is that not cool?
0: It would not be cool. It would be not cool of the other person to ask that of you, Right.
2: But then there's something where it's like, wow, this poor guy doesn't want to see the movie by himself. And he's obviously gotten to the place where he's just asking, like, a stranger to go to the movie. And sure, it's kind of sad, but... Say no to that. What? You shouldn't go to that. You don't think that's nice?
0: Mm. Poor guy? If you don't know who this person is, don't go to the movies with strangers? I don't know.
2: That's just because of a safety thing. Yeah.
0: Uh,
2: Yeah.
0: I'm not... Yeah. So
1: where where I thought your guys' issue would come was that leap to human beings... Or any rational being as an end into itself. Do not do dogs not consider themselves oh an end in themselves? I don't want to do
0: this again. Well, uh, I'm just saying.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, I don't have to extrapolate it that far to yeah. say that creatures also consider themselves an end in themselves. They eat, they take care of themselves. There's also why not they don't sacrifice themselves for other I mean, maybe like the parents do. Well, why not why not God is the end in himself? Why is he not the end? As far as my understanding of scripture is that the purpose of humans is to Glorify him, God and enjoy Him, and enjoy him forever. forever. We are a means to that to the glory of God. So, is there is there a balance there? This is where I expected the issue to come from. Was do you guys not think that? Are you, you guys are okay with human beings being, being or means? Does like, Christ
2: use Himself? As Christ, when He empties Himself and did not consider God a thing to be grasped, as they talk about in Philippians, the Philippians hymn, and Christ empties Himself and becomes man to die on the cross. Is that not a him acting as a means to our end? Is that not the sacrifice? Is, is Christ's sacrifice not a means to an end? I mean, he's he coming not, back. Huh? He's coming back.
0: Yeah.
2: So then that then kind of makes it feel like it's like, oh, well, then it wasn't that big a deal.
0: Is Kant intentionally trying to uh, provide an a religious or just with no regard to religious system of morals? I think so.
1: He, want, yes. he I wants think to base he's, it on reason. Okay pure reason it has to be a priori i think because because well let's let's jump to this this next section is why other systems don't work okay right i'm skipping over the rest of the kingdom of ends it's fun he's basically trying to unite all of man under this morality it's not just your morality but because we are a kingdom of ends as each one of us being a subject and universal lawmaker then it's a kingdom right morality is applicable to all Then talk about dignity and price, blah, blah, blah. Comprehensive review probably would have been helpful. (laughs) Okay. All right. So then he says special problems with previous empiricist principles. So let me read one about the one's own happiness as the guiding principle of morality. The principle of one's own happiness is, however, the most objectionable. Not because it is false, um, not just because it is it is false, and because its claim that well-being always adjusts itself to well-doing is contradicted by experience. So, just because you want, like, you think this will make you you happy, that will always mean that you do a good thing. Not merely because it contributes nothing whatever towards establishing morality. So, if we base it on human happiness, what does that mean for? Like, we have to, we don't really know quite what that means, human happiness, and what will actually lead us there, and so it doesn't necessarily establish morality. Since making people happy is quite different from making them good, and making them prudent or clever in seeking their own advantage is quite different from making them virtuous. It is most objectionable because by basing morality on sensuous motives, which undermine it and totally destroy its sublimity, since it puts the motives of virtue in the same class as those of vice and teaches us not only to become or teaches us only to become better at calculation, the specific difference between virtue and vice is completely obliterated. When you engage in vice, you are trying to feel happy. Right. And he's saying, then if we base morality on trying to feel happy, what is different between virtue and vice?
0: Would he just define virtue as that which is in alignment with the categorical imperative? Or does he... Wait, what, say it again. Like, what does he mean by virtue if he's trying to restructure morality or if he's trying to give this tool of the categorical
1: imperative? I think is, you would say acting acting in, in accordance, accordance with that yeah. As, yeah. as humans as ends, ends in themselves, in a kingdom of ends, yeah. and such that your maxim can apply to everyone.
0: Yeah, okay.
2: I mean, there's... Happiness is... Complicated when it comes to those sorts of things because it's like it comes in these different um, layers. I don't know. Like, I know that eating a donut right now would make me happy, and in, in the right now, eating that donut, but I also know that like a life of health is also going to make me happy in the long run, and so um, I have competing, competing happiness, and so. But that, that but that but just because happiness has these competitions doesn't mean that it should not you can't use that as a metric for deciding what to do like he's saying people go after vicious things and that makes them happy therefore because they want to be happy therefore we're not going to use happiness as our basis for morality it's like well but there there's there's greater happiness like there is also a happiness that comes with morality like do well, you see but what I'm then, saying but then see you're deriving Happiness from morality, not
1: morality from happiness. No, but
2: I can say like, oh, I should be, I'm going to be a disciplined, I should be a disciplined person because uh, I know that when I, uh, I am disciplined, I'm actually going to be happy. Like, I, I think it's going to be better for me. So I'm going to do the moral thing.
1: So so you said, you've already identified it as moral mm-hmm. and said, therefore, it will make me happy. He's he's okay with this. Mm. He's saying, you cannot say, this thing will make me happy. Therefore, it is moral. Mm. Gotcha. Right? Okay. So he says happiness does not work. Like human happiness, the thing that will make you happy, is not a good guide. Sure. So maybe, maybe he's answering kind of the modern notion like do what feels good mm-hmm. or you do you or do what makes you happy. He says that's not a good way to do it mm, because it's the same as vice, mm-hmm. right? which I think we've seen in effect. Yeah. Right? Okay. Okay. On board. Now we'll, let's talk about moral sense, right? Just feeling out what is right and wrong. He addresses that too. On the other hand, moral feeling, this alleged special sense, However, shallow be the appeal to it when people who are unable to think hope to help themselves out by feeling. So if you can't think right and you can feel out what's good, even when the question is solely one of universal law and however little feelings differing as they do naturally from one another by an infinity of degrees can supply a uniform measure of good and evil. So our feelings are always really different about what's going to happen, so make a pretty bad measure of good and evil let alone the fact that one person by his feeling can make no valid judgments at all for others. So just because you feel that it is right doesn't mean that others have to do it. Moral feeling still remains closer to morality and to its dignity in this respect. It does virtue the honor of ascribing to her directly the approval and esteem in which she is held and does not, as it were, tell her to her face that we are attached to her not for her beauty, but for our own advantage. So he says that actually works better. So this moral feeling, even though people feel different things, And by a bunch of degrees, and because just because you feel that this is right doesn't mean anyone else should follow it, at least that's better than saying, I do this for my own happy advantage, Mm -hmm. right?
2: With me, Graham? Kind of. I just, how's Kant going to get out of using reason, which is a tool, or which is a method, how is he going to use that to get to the ought statements, we ought to do this. He's saying, that I can ground my, we ought to do this. Well, he grounds it in. Humanity in is good. Humanity, hum- humanity is good and the moral imperative. But where does he even get the standard to say that those then are desirable or good things? Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, at some, he, at some sense, you have to. You have to posit something metaphysical.
1: Well, I think that's I think that's probably where he gets human beings are an end in themselves. Like he gets there a little bit logically, but he says, this is how you conceive of yourself. You think man is good because you think you are good.
2: Yeah. what so, if we're all but I mean like, what if we're all wrong? No like like how does he it doesn't matter because that's, that's the way we function. He says this is how we but so
1: um, are you trying to establish a good outside of humanity? Yes, okay.
2: Yes. I'm get, I mean, what's his relationship to the idea of, the, of like, the Tao, the, the, the idea that there is an objective morality out there that we are in as opposed to we are creating it ourselves based on these, you know, based on two starting blocks, the starting blocks of we're all ends in ourselves and then using a categorical comparison. So I
1: think what he's doing, and I think you actually might be amenable to this, is he is trying to say that the Tao is not just something that exists that we have to look for. He's saying it has a rational grounding so he is, he is trying to yeah, tie the Tau. I'm, I don't think I'm cool with that. No, he's not trying to esta- – I, I mean, he might be trying to establish it, but he's not, he's not just saying like there's the Tau and then there's rationality and they're separate. He's saying the Tau is a rational thing, right, that we can have grounded in rationality. And I, he might be overweighting that and saying the Tau springs from that. But I am okay with the project of saying the Tau is not just a thing that we are – compelled to follow and something that humans naturally do. It has a rational grounding in and of itself, right? I am a universalist. I think that there are universal principles that undergird every human action. He is trying to say these things that we do, these virtues are, are rational things that have purchase on the human, whether or not they want heaven or hell, or they want happiness or unhappiness or whatever they feel. It is, it is rationally a thing. It is also a thing. Like, he's attaching the Tau to the Earth with with rationality, which is, I think, a good project. So it's reasonable. It's rational. Yes, you're yes. Saying. the
2: Tao is a rational thing. Then is if there is something that can have reason, it is de facto going to have ethics.
1: He actually says that this applies not just to humans, but to all
2: rational intelligences. So any computer that we make that is... I guess, what's the difference between, like... A computer that can do, like an AI that can do a lot of function, like that, that can do like a lot of a data analysis. Like, you know, the chat GTP or that thing GPT. is called GPT. It's not actually like thinking through the essay. Correct. It's just like giving.
0: It's not It's not aware. It's not, it's
1: not aware. Yeah. And I think so is that what it needs to be? I can think you, the awareness there is it cannot possibly conceive of itself as an end. Right. Right. We can program it to, oh, gosh. but okay. it can't conceive of itself as an end and therefore can't conceive of, uh, like, we can program it to think of us as ends. And this is, I think, where we get our foundational principles of robotics, right? Is it is never harm a human. <laughs> You're talking about the Asimov ones? Yeah. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah. The,
0: I, I don't know what, I don't remember what they are. But. People
1: still talk about those yeah, and use sure. them in robotics. Yeah. And that okay. is, I think, perhaps an outflow of what we have here, which is saying that yeah. humans yeah. are ends
2: in themselves because it's the way we conceive of ourselves. Robots aren't yet. But Computers just, aren't yet. But now we've used different terms. We've used reason. We've used rationality, and now we've used awareness. Those seems different.
1: So awareness, I'm not equating to reason and rationality. Awareness, I am saying that the machine cannot possibly conceive of itself as an end until it is self
2: aware. Can a machine be rational? It can. Could it be rational? Yeah,
0: sure. But like ours are not. Okay.
2: So if it could be rational, then does that machine? Have, I have th- Can does that of course as far as content is concerned that machine is going to be bound by ethics
1: I think so yeah that's that's we've got you know commander data yeah bound by ethics yeah. machine just turn them off just end the whole uh, that would not be treating him as an ah, end Graham. there we go he's not would it man. be he's a robot if he is self-aware yeah and he's a rational creature Yeah. why not can you walk up and just flip off data and be like screw you pal
0: yeah or turn his uh, power switch off that'd be messed up that's
1: Why not? that would be messed up that's yeah. mean yeah, yeah it, it wasn't like mean that. Cause he's self aware, he's
0: a creature. Mm. You'd be chill with somebody walking up and turning Mm. off data. I wouldn't. Because that would be equivalent to like killing I mean, not data can be turned back on, but that's equivalent to like killing someone, right? In the in the lore of Star Trek, right? Sure. Why are you uncomfortable with this, Graham?
2: I don't know if I am. Um
1: Okay, while Graham thinks yeah. One last thing, and, yeah. I, and that'll actually, I think, finish my episode. Yeah. We, we should, so we, why can't we use God and Jesus as our source of morality? Last one. Um, well, uh, the first question is, why can't we use a, con- a conception of perfection? Why isn't perfection the thing where we derive morality? Well, he's like, first, we don't know it. It's not really part of this world as far as we can, we're can concerned. Mm-hmm. So it ends up being circular because we're evaluating perfection based on a standard we already sort of have in our heads, Right. So we don't clearly see it and say, yes, this is perfect, therefore morality. And we can't really use God because
2: we have reason in our heads. Well, sorry, finish.
1: So um, still it is better than the theological concept, which derives morality from an all perfect divine will, not merely because we cannot directly apprehend God's perfection. We can't fully understand it and can only derive it from our own concepts. Right. So we only can conceive of God as where we are among which that of morality is preeminent, so we already sort of have a morality in there and we're sort of evaluating God's actions there, but because if we do not do this, the concept of God's will that remains for us is made up of such attributes as lust for glory and dominion bound up with frightful ideas of power and vengefulness, inevitably the foundation for a moral system that would be directly opposed to morality. Yet if I had to choose between the concept of moral sense and that of perfection in general, God included, so like just this feeling of morality... I should decide for the latter. For this, since it at least withdraws the decisions of the question from sensibility and brings it before the court of pure reason. So, we're into perfection in God, so I think that's better than just feeling it out. Even though it there decides nothing, does still preserve undistorted the indeterminate idea, far more, a a far more precise definition. So, we can't use God because, if we're honest, when we look at the scripture, we're sort of already evaluating, okay, Jesus' actions were helping people? Ah, that's good. We're not deriving our good from it. And because we only have a limited understanding of who God is. And so any morality we derive there from would be busted. But because if we did d- derive it directly from the actions of God, we should also imitate wanting personal glory, being vengeful, being jealous, being like having dominion. And that might not be the best thing for us. It's so interesting. Cause he's, he's not saying that you would look to scripture for something. He's
0: saying that you'd look from the actions of God. You would Try and understand from
1: how
2: what God, God did.
0: Yeah, and that, that just seems strange for him not to look to Acknowledge theology like or scripture. Command, yeah, or, yeah that, that guy.
1: well, he's saying. I guess people say, you know, do we derive it from the divine? We try to yeah. be like the divine, and that's where morality comes from. And yeah. he's saying, no, that's not really. That's not really the thing. We can't derive it from the actions of God. Which, which honestly, but can we derive it from God's commandments to us? Probably yes. Yeah. yeah. But even then, we are. We also sort of recognize the goodness in Scripture, and then say, yeah, these yeah. these fit. Which kind of jives with the question I had all the time growing up when people said, be like Jesus. And I was like, he did a lot of things I probably shouldn't. <laughs> sure. Claim to be God. Sure. Flipping went over table. Shucked people over out of church. He had a bunch of followers that he would, you know, tell to do things and he had prophecies and let people praise him and lay palm fronds in front of him as he rode into... There's a lot of things I probably shouldn't do that Jesus did. Yeah. But there are things I should do, and that's heal the sick. And so where am I... Where am I getting that evaluation from? There are actions of Jesus I should not do, Mm. and there are actions of Jesus I should. Well, clearly there's some other standard by which I am sort of bonking these against, which might be the Tao, which has a rational basis.
2: Mm. Can I... Okay, well, help me think through this. Sure. Let's say I'm very poor. I don't have very much money, and I'm starving. Yes. And I go to... And I break into a rich man's house... Okay. And I raid his fridge, and I'm sitting down in his kitchen, and I'm eating a sandwich. Yes. And the rich man comes out, and he's like, hey, hey, man, what are you doing? Get out of my house. You shouldn't be eating my food. Why am I doing a wrong thing?
1: Wait, are you the rich man or are I'm you the, the poor, man. poor man? Because you are treating that man as a means to an end.
0: But, but the end is like feeding yourself. But the yourself. end is
2: feeding a human. A human. Why isn't he not treating me as an end? Uh, if he was to do the moral thing, he would
1: say, keep the sandwich. He would do exactly what Jesus says, which is, if a person steals your coat, you know, cool. your shirt, give him your coat. So
2: I should come. I can come into his house, and he should let me have the sandwich, and I have given him the opportunity to do a moral action.
1: You are doing the wrong thing, he Why? is doing the right Why thing. Why am I doing the wrong thing? Because you are treating him like, as a means to an end, which is your
2: sandwich. But I should spell, how come I can't say um, every... Is, is the reason because I can't say every poor person should go into a rich person's house and get their food?
1: Yes, and it doesn't harmonize with the idea of humanity as an end in itself, that if he's got more than you, you can go just go take all of his things. Like, should everyone do this? No. Should we have it be a law of nature that poor men can rob the rich?
2: No. But why shouldn't poor people be able to do it? Not all people, but people that don't have enough.
0: In Khan's framework, it's the treating people as means you're only you're taking something from someone is the wrong part there
2: but i'm taking something from someone that he has already that he when the moment happens realizes that he should be giving to me because when he's going to treat me as an end he's going to give me a sandwich
1: so someone in need sure
2: yeah so then why is my action that prompts his good action immoral
0: so the asking for
2: that sandwich or the seeking it out like
0: it's the theft is the problem there Yeah, because you're not giving him the opportunity. Okay. To give. What if I
2: go and I ask him for a sandwich and he says, no. And then I go and I take the sandwich and then he says, you're right. You should have had this.
0: Don't take sandwiches.
2: He was probably in the wrong saying no, which, yeah. you know, God says those that asks you should give to Yeah. And every time. So every person who asks me for a thing, I'm in the wrong if I don't give it to them.
1: I, I think the scripture was meant to those in need. If I come up and I say, Hey, can I have your house? Mm-hmm. I'm
2: I'm definitely doing a wrong thing, and you are also give, doing a wrong thing and giving it to okay. me. Okay. The poor man says, can I have your house? I say no. The poor man says, can I have a sandwich? And I say yes. The poor man says, can I have a sandwich every day? And I say no.
1: He's and beginning he to says, treat you as a means I... to his own hunger.
2: But he, yes. So then, but he's got a but he's treating me as a means to his own hunger, but... If, I, if it is moral for me to give him a sandwich on a Monday but not every Monday, wh- why, is that, why is it moral to give the sandwich once but not every day?
1: Because there you can't – it doesn't harmonize with the idea of man as an end in itself because he, at that point you are enabling a bad behavior and he has things that he could cultivate to be a better
2: person. So perhaps right. – but why am I not enabling the bad behavior on the first sandwich? Because he might actually need a single sandwich but it, he might actually need a sandwich every monday. The but the pattern
1: I mean I, at that point you need more information. Does he need a sandwich every monday because he's literally incapable of working, cannot leave your doorstep? In that case,
2: the answer might be yes. The answer like, might yeah, be a yes, a, yes, a, a sandwich, sandwich, every every sandwich every monday. So but so my, this is my point which is every time we ask we talk about Kant, the phrase we usually say is, well we're going to need more information before we can make a categorical imperative. And my and my How can something be a categorical imperative when there's no – such like if you're going to have to go and get so much details, you no longer have categories. You have just like individual specific things that are happening.
1: Well, we've we've demonstrated it, right, where the information matters and then if you can extrapolate that this be like a law of nature for for all men. So just because it needs more information in the specific instance, the question is, okay – should this continue happening? Is mm-hmm. this something that should happen for everybody all the time? And I still think that, like, we've applied it several times in this line of questioning
0: where. Because I think the imperative here is that those with means ought to feed the poor. That's your question. And I think that could be an imperative.
2: I'm same- gri- but I, and I agree with that, but I don't know how we get to that reason. How, like, it's r- r- reason that gets us to that conclusion.
0: We want to treat others as ends in themselves. The. Therefore, but the-
2: why is treating others as an end in themselves a reasonable conclusion?
1: Okay, so that's that's actually, and I agree with you there. I, I still f- that's the biggest problem I have with this section, is that I think that him saying man is an end in himself, that is the weakest part of him putting this together, right? That that we are simply an end in ourselves because that's the okay. way we conceive ourselves and that's the way everybody does. He in fact does almost the same thing with the free will question later. He's like, we all sort of assume it. So I'm (laughs) going (laughs) to dodge it. Um, And he actually even admits, like, I could get way into this, way super into the weeds, but honestly, for the sake of my argument, it doesn't matter. That's funny. It matters that we think we have it. So I'm just going to roll with that we have it. Yeah. Um, And here, I I think you're right. I think him saying man is an end in and of himself is the most poorly established part of this entire thing. But if I ask myself, is man an end? Should I ever treat man as a means? Um, The only...
2: I the only situation
1: so- is if it's if I is if I'm considering God's glory, right? Because at a certain point, if you are a believer in predestination, those who are destined for hell are a means to God's glory. Those who are glorified are a means to His glory. But I thought about this a bunch. Jesus doesn't, or God doesn't, treat us just as means. He also treats us as ends because right. He sacrifices Himself for us. Right. So, so is man an end in himself? I think it needs more treatment than what He gave. If I'm going to base an entire moral, moral system on it. Like, honestly, I do. I don't think he establishes it well. But is man an end? I think so. Does the categorical imperative imply largely, or apply largely? I think so. Is it nice to have a rational grounding for the Tao and say, look, man, you might not be a Christian. You might not think good exists. You are still subject to these laws of morality because of rationality. You have a thinking mind. I think that's a good thing. Uh, I don't think it's good if people use it as an... to excuse themselves from religion, right? Cause I mean, the real question is whether God exists or not, but is it good to have a rational grounding for it and being able to say, yeah, moral laws aren't just moral. They are also rational. I think that's nice. Yeah. I like it. Shh. Are we out of time?
0: I think we're like way oh, okay. out of time. Like way out of time. Yeah. Let's save it for the in between episode. Okay. Uh, uh, listeners, you can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash classical stuff. We're going to record an in between episode right after this. So if you want to hear this conversation keep going, check out the Patreon. You can find us on Twitter, twitter.com slash stuff, C L S S C A L stuff. You can email us, the guys at classicalstuff.net. And you can find us on YouTube. I'm probably still very behind on our episodes, but we're there. So, you can watch us there.
1: Mm, what did I forget? I don't know. We like you guys a lot. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you all next week.
2: Bye. Bye. Ciao.